I do know this, that some people are inclined to not want to believe that Paul was physically sick and that he prayed and wasn't healed. Mm. Now that comes from their hermeneutic, which says, you know, it's actually a triumphalist hermeneutic, right? Mm. So people who hold these views that say, hey, if you are um, sick or, you know, and not, and you pray to be healed and you're not healed, it must be because there's something wrong with you. You didn't pray well enough. You didn't have enough faith or you have some sin in your life. And so they have to make sense of this. Well, how can the Apostle Paul have prayed three times for a physical infirmity to have been removed? And God said no. Well, they say, well, then it must not have been physical. Hey, welcome to Whitefields Community Church Sermon Extra. Great to have you with us once again this week. And I'm here with Pastor Nate Katie, pastor of Whitefields Community Church here in Longmont, Colorado. And we are in our series Strength and weakness, looking at Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. We're getting getting to near one chapter away, and we're almost done with this book, and I hope you've enjoyed the journey with us. If you've missed any of that journey, any of the studies you missed this past Sunday, just head over to whitefieldschurch.com, and you can download it there. And, of course, any of your favorite podcast platforms, uh, YouTube, Facebook. And, of course, if you would, please, you know, smash that like button, subscribe, leave leave a review, rate and review, and all those kind of fun things. And, you know, just kind of any interaction that we have with the content really just kind of boosts us in the algorithm. And when people are asking questions about their weaknesses, about their trials, the things they're going through, like we've been looking at here in 2 Corinthians, that we can provide them with Christ-centered and gospel-centered answers to their questions. So this week we found ourselves in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, looking at the first 10 verses. And uh, the study, the title of the study was God's Strength in Our Weakness. And uh, what we wanted to look at today was just this thought that came to my mind was like as we were, you know, Paul, especially last week, Paul's like describing all these things that he's going through and just listing off all this stuff, you know, like like we joked about last week. You know, if you're around Paul, there was a high likelihood, there was a high percentage you're going to get caught in a riot, you're going to be shipwrecked, you're going to be stoned. You know, or or any of one of these things. Are you going to be beaten with rods or whipped or whatever it was? Because, you know, Paul just kind of seemed to be a, a um, you know, a magnet for that kind of stuff. But what it, what it reminded me of a little bit back, just I thought back, was going back to Acts chapter 9 when Paul first gets saved. And the Ananias goes to visit him in that famous passage and and the Lord had spoken to Ananias in a vision and and he was kind of trepidatious about going to visit Paul but Paul but the Lord told Ananias he tells him there in verse 16 for I will show him how many things he must suffer uh, for my name's sake for he and then before that he says for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles kings and the children of Israel but I just thought about that I will show him how many things he must suffer for my sake so here we are in second Corinthians is probably you know we're 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 about 14 years you know because of kind of almost dates Paul dates himself there in the beginning of the chapter by saying hey I was caught up into the heaven yeah. You know, so we're 14 years well, later. At least 14, probably yeah. more. Probably more like, uh, probably more like 20. 20 years, you know. So here we are, and Paul is suffering for the Lord's name. So we just kind of, just kind of fleshed that thought out. Like, Paul knew what was going to happen to him, mm-hmm. or kind of had an inkling. 
Yeah, I mean, it's clear that uh, he knew that he was going to suffer. He was told right up front, which is kind of nice, right? It wasn't a surprise. Or is for, it? <laughs> <laughs> well, for him, uh, it, it seems like, you know, that was told to him in the beginning. Yeah. This is what's going to happen. God's going to use you in great ways. And yet, uh, you're also going to suffer a lot. Mm -hmm. And and Paul really has a, you know, if you will, a theology of suffering that's uh, fleshed out in many of his letters. He talks about it. He's clearly not ashamed of it. He talks about that here in this letter. Um, but in other letters, like I just think about what he says in chapter 3 of Philippians, where he's talking about how all the things that were to his benefit, if you will, kind of his... Um, his heritage as a Jewish person, his moral, his own personal morality being, you know, pretty, pretty good, pretty impeccable. And yet um, we, we come to this place where he says, you know what, all those things that were benefit to me, I consider them all to be rubbish for the sake of Christ. He says that I may be found in him with a righteousness that is not my own, but that comes from him. And then he says, um, he says that a righteousness that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And then he says that I may know him, know Jesus, the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so for Paul, it seems that those things are not opposed to each other, the power of Christ and sharing in his sufferings. In fact, what he says very clearly in chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians is that it is actually oftentimes in his weakness, in his suffering, when he comes to the end of himself, that's when he experiences the power of the resurrection to sustain him, to enable him, etc. And um, I think that as Christians, we uniquely have a view on suffering that is, I think, obviously, I think this, but I think it's the best explanation and view on it of anyone in the world. I don't think anyone else can give as good of an explanation. And, you know, if you, you survey the different explanations of how to think about suffering, um, you know, they're just very, they're terrible, honestly. Like some people say, well, it's just fatalism, bad things happen and just deal with it. Christianity doesn't say that. It says that God actually grieves over these things, and yet as um, you know, our friend uh, Johnny Erickson Tata said, mm -hmm. sometimes God allows what he hates in order to accomplish what he loves. And I think that that's our view of suffering as well. And, um, and you know, you could look at Eastern ones that say that you just kind of need to like transcend human suffering, mm -hmm. transcend the physical world. It's not that important. And actually it's like the matrix doesn't really exist. The, world, the Bible says, no, 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 it matters. God's suffering matters. God mm -hmm. uh, weeps over our suffering. He takes it personally when people suffer. And yet um, he is able to use suffering and redeem it in order to accomplish his purposes, both in us and through us. And I, I just think it's... Um, it's clearly something that even people back then didn't understand, right? Sometimes you, you talk about different um, approaches to Christianity that have like a weird vibe to them. And one of the weird vibes, and I realize that's very subjective, but let's just live with it for mm -hmm. a second, is this idea of triumphalism, right? And so there are different forms of triumphalism. Right. So you can have like a success oriented triumphalism where Jesus is essentially your guru who teaches you how to have a better life. Um, there's a health and wealth kind of triumphalism, which says that, you know, if you're doing all the things right, then you will be guaranteed to be healthy and wealthy in your life. And um, and Paul would look at those things and say, well, do, do you remember that we follow a man who was stripped of everything 
and nailed to a cross in the ultimate act of humiliation, defeat, and loss. And yet that was the greatest moment of triumph. That was the thing through which God did his greatest work. And the message of the gospel is not you're good enough, you're strong enough, and you can do it. But it is you are weak, you are fallen, and yet there's a God who loves you and has come alongside you with his strength in order to save you. I mean, there's a two opposite things. And that's why Paul says that the triumphalist gospel that was being preached by the Corinthian, you know, would-be leaders is not even a gospel at all. It's not good news. It's not true. And it's, it's not the gospel. And so uh, I think this chapter and this whole idea of suffering is something that is uniquely Christian, but I would say it is the, the true way to view this and the only way that is actually satisfying. Yeah, I, and I, I agree with you. I think Paul seems to, um, he's almost bringing back what was an Old Testament view of, of suffering and lament and, uh, you know, of the Psalms, I mean, almost a third of the Israeli, you know, the Hebrew uh, hymnody is, is dedicated to pain. Mm-hmm. And you, you say, well, you question, well, why would, that, why would that be? And it's, as you know, as Paul points out, it's in that suffering where we come to know the Lord. Mm-hmm. It's in that suffering where we come to know God's true nature, uh, you know, as we live in that kind of paradox between the pain of this life and this fallen world and the promise of his deliverance, and, you know, and goodness that, that awaits us. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's an interesting thing to think about because Paul almost in, this, in his letter has elevated suffering to a place of... Um, you know, almost that's kind of, I mean, it, it, you don't want to be a sadist in a sense, but, but you know, that, that if you're in that, that Paul's like saying, that's not necessarily a bad thing. That, that's not necessarily our goal is to find our way out of the suffering, but our goal is to walk with the Lord in the suffering. And, and Paul himself, of course, we, you know, we did in our study, he, he prayed. He said, I prayed to the Lord three times for that, that thorn that was in my side. It's not like we, okay, we are resigned to suffering. You know, that's not the goal either. But that within that, you know, God's given us that, you know, as you said, crying out to the Lord. And even you said, you know, Joni Erickson Tata said, well, of course I pray for healing and all those things. But most of all, I pray that God will be glorified through what I've gone through. And that seems to be what Paul is echoing as well, right? Yeah. And you know, I think that what makes this uniquely Christian, and I would say even even as we look back on the Jewish origin of the mm-hmm. Psalms, I think that even the, the Judaism is incomplete without the what we call the eschatological mm-hmm. hope, right? Which is, uh, we've been doing this class at the church on eschatology, and what I explained to them is that all of Christianity is eschatological mm-hmm. in the sense that it all points forward to this final event. In other words, history is not cyclical, mm-hmm. it is rather linear. It's going from somewhere, and it has a final destination. And that's why the psalmist can say so you know, in the Psalms of Lament, right? He says, how long, O Lord? And I, that phrase is, is like one that really sums up so much of the eschatological hope that we have. How long, O Lord? Like, how long is this going to go on? When are you going to intervene? Because we know that at some point, this, will, this suffering will come to an end. And like it says in Romans 8, right? Like we groan as we wait for that day. Mm-hmm. 
But I think that even those psalms, they, the reason that they're able to be so honest about their lament is partly because, as they say, how long, O Lord, there's an implication in there mm-hmm. that there's coming a time when God is going to bring an end to the suffering and he's going to redeem it. He's going to uh, you know, bring us into this culmination of what everything's been building up to. And so I think that that is the hope that we have as Christians. And I think that that allows us to say, mm-hmm. you know, to weep and to say, how long, O Lord? And yet, as Paul says to the Thessalonians, we mourn, but we don't mourn as those who have no hope. We mourn mm-hmm. differently than the world. Yeah, and that's the difference, right? Mm-hmm. Is that we're all basically suffering. You know, as was the... Is it Ecclesiastes where the sun shines on on the 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 godly and the ungodly? That you know, meaning we all live together, you know, as humanity in this in this fallen world. But there are those that that live and day by day with a hope and a joy uh, that that is in Christ, and then those that don't, you know, and that and that's the call. That's what Paul is calling us to. Is that you know, you know, what it what is your hope in? And that this one day this is going to end, and then. Then what? Well, yeah. So in that case, suffering is meaningless. Mm -hmm. And actually, um, you know, the old phrase that we used to say, life sucks, then you die, right? Right. I mean, that's kind of how it is. And then every now and then you have a few good days in between. And you can understand how incredibly hopeless that Mm -hmm. message is. And if that's the best we can give people is, hey, maybe you'll have a few good days while you bide your time until nothing or worse. Um... Uh, that's there's no hope in that at all. Yeah. I don't even know how you could live with something like that. Yeah, no, it's 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 yeah. No, the hope is hope definitely in the gospel. And Paul just yeah, he just kind of brings that all together for us in this letter, just kind of letting the Corinthians know, hey guys, you you got it all wrong. <laughs> you know, it's not about all of these other peripheral issues these super apostles are about, but it's 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 walking with Christ with Jesus in the midst of wherever you are. You know, and I thought it just, you know, just going through the letter just kind of sums up Paul's heart for his church. And I hope the Corinthians saw that, you mm-hmm. know, just how much the their spiritual father really loved the church. And I was also thinking, you know, we we're just talking briefly a little bit about the thorns in the flesh and maybe, you know, we delve into a little speculation here. But, you know, there's some that, of course, thought that it was his eyesight. That I have also heard that there's like, you know... Um, it was was the guilt that Paul felt, you know, as you, you know, he was a witness at Stephen's stoning back in Acts, and he, you know, I say he vigorously persecuted. I mean, he, as much as he preached the gospel and all that he went through right now, we saw that he did that against Christians, and some have said that his thorn in the side was this guilt and stuff, and so, you know, I just thought, well, what, you know, what what do you think that that thorn is, you know, yeah. that, that, so that Paul there was are, dealing with? There's a few views on it. One view, as you mentioned, di- different variations on what you mentioned, yeah. that essentially it's the, the devil um, kind of, it's like a spiritual torment, mm-hmm. if you will, mm-hmm. whether that's torment over his past sins, whether it's torment just in general. Um, those are kind of the two main views, right? Mm-hmm. There's a spiritual torment or that it is uh, some kind of physical affliction. Uh, those who lean on the physical affliction side would say, they, then it becomes a uh, lens through which you read a lot of the book of Acts and some of his letters, right? So Paul mentions in Galatians, he says, look at what big letters I write you with. Well, mm-hmm. maybe he just ma- wrote big letters to say, hey, yeah. Check out how big my letters are. Yeah. Or, or maybe he, he had trouble seeing. Mm-hmm. 
And um, that's why he wrote with big letters. Another one is that he mentions the Galatians. He says, you know, when I was with you, you would have even given me your own eyes. Mm, Now, maybe that's a euphemism. Like you say, you would have given me the shirt off your back. You would have given me your eyes. Seems like a weird euphemism. I don't think that that's like a real thing that people said to each other back then. Seems that he had something with his eyes. And there was a form of like um, malaria, kind of a tropical disease that was common near the southern part of Turkey, which is more or, you know, tropical Mediterranean climate. And so they would say at that time that this disease had the, the effect of causing your eyes to swell and to, you know, mm-hmm. cause you to have headaches and things like that, which would somehow align with perhaps what Paul's talking about being a thorn in his flesh. Um, could have been something completely different. But then they, they also read into that, say, okay, well, perhaps then after having left Galatia, and wanting to move into the regions. If you remember, this is how Paul ends up in Macedonia. He revisits the region of Galatia on his second missionary journey. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is like Acts 17, right? Or 16. Yeah, I think it's 16. So he goes in chapter 16. um, He did his first missionary journey during which he went to the region of Galatia. Mm -hmm. Then he goes back to Antioch. They kind of regroup. Barnabas doesn't come with him this time. This time he's got Silas with him. He goes on a second missionary journey. They go back, visit some of the churches that they started on the first missionary journey. And then it says he wanted to go into the region of Bithynia, Mysia, but he was not allowed. It says that God forbade him from going. The spirit did not allow him to go. And that's how he ends up kind of like, well, I don't know where I'm going next. And he has a vision in the middle of the night, a man calling him from Macedonia. So some people postulate that maybe the reason he couldn't go into those places was not just like the spirit telling him no in an abstract way, but in a much more like physical way, just being like, no, you can't because you're sick or Mm -hmm. you have this problem. So those are all things. It's a lot of speculation. There's no way to really know. I I do know this, that some people are inclined to not want to believe that Paul was physically sick and that he prayed and wasn't healed. Mm. Now that comes from their hermeneutic, which says, you know, it's actually a triumphalist hermeneutic, right? Mm. So people who hold these views that say, hey, if you are um, sick or, you know, and not, and you pray to be healed and you're not healed, it must be because there's something wrong with you. You didn't pray well enough. You didn't have enough faith or you have some sin in your life. And so they have to make sense of this. Well, how can the Apostle Paul have prayed three times for a physical infirmity to have been removed? And God said no. Well, they say, well, then it must not have been physical. So I'm inclined to say it's physical just because it uses the word flesh. I mean, why right, not? Yeah. Why, why choose that word specifically? So Yeah. No, yeah, no, I think that's some very valid points. I th- yeah, I think that's a kind of a question that people kind of, they always want to know about that little detail. What is the thorn in the flesh? But I think, yeah, I would I would probably side with you as well. It was certainly a, a, a physical thing that, that, that Paul prayed for and it was hindering his work, you know. And But in a sense, in his weakness, he had Timothy alongside. He eventually called Mark again, mm-hmm. you know. And so, that you know, you'd, when you when you read into those things, well, they came and they comforted me, you know. When we were at the end of First Corinthians, you know, you know, when those those three men came, you just you you can read more into that. But where Paul certainly was comforted in the fact that these guys came around them, maybe in his affliction, and really helped him out, you know. So that's that certainly makes a lot of sense. And so, yeah, that's no, just some great great things there. This is kind of the you know. 
chapter 12 here is the kind of the pinnacle of the whole letter as we, we dive into that phrase, strength and weakness. And, um, and you know, well, what, if, what if you God told you what was going to happen to you in the next 20 years? I think on that as you are you know, thinking on this and getting ready to download this and send it to a friend someplace. So, um, you know, grateful to have you with us this week. And we subscribe, all that fun stuff. And we'll look forward to you next week. God bless.